Welcome to Fusion Live, a podcast ministry from young adults to young adults searching for people to connect with and a purpose to live out. We're coming to you from Christian Assembly Church in Eagle Rock, California, and we're excited that you've decided to take this Welcome with to us. Fusion Live. We're back with another episode for you of Daily Bread. This morning, we are in 1 Peter chapter 3, talking about submission, talking about some really interesting things, and I'm excited to dive into it. I'm joined by Bo and Jairo this morning. Say good morning, guys. Good morning. Hey, good morning. And Bo, would you mind giving us an overview of 1 Peter chapter 3? Yeah, absolutely. So it's important to remember that um, these chapter breaks weren't there when it was written. So where we begin in chapter three picks up where chapter two left off, which is talking about doing good works and showing Christ by how you live. So chapter two ends with with slaves and masters. And, you know, that interesting conversation, chapter three picks up with a conversation to husbands and wives. And so the call at the beginning of chapter three is for wives to submit to their husbands, even if they're not followers of Jesus, so that in how they live their lives, they may be won over. So it's this call to evangelism through how wives are supposed to live by living these pure, reverent lives before Christ. There's this conversation about not letting your beauty be seen in the outward expressions of how you dress or what you wear, but instead to recognize that what's inside of your heart, these imperishable qualities, this gentle spirit, those are what's more valuable to God than how you look on the outside. Um, And then there's a conversation about Sarah and Abraham, how Sarah submitted to Abraham when she called him Lord, uh, which I think there's plenty we can get into there. Uh, Then it goes to husbands and says, husbands, in the same way, you're to live in this understanding way with your wife, um, where you recognize that she is a co-heir in the life of grace that's made available to you. So you need to treat her differently than how you would have treated her before. And there's a lot in the Roman life that I think we'll get into on that. Then it goes into this conversation of uh, where Peter calls these people to not respond Uh, with violence or hatred or evil, even when people persecute you or do, uh, you know, bad things to you, but you're to be a blessing to other people. And then uh, it goes into this uh, conversation of suffering where he talks about when you suffer for righteousness, it's actually a blessing to you. And our example for that is Jesus, that Jesus suffered for all the, you know, the righteous suffered for the unrighteous so that we might be brought to God. Then there's this really interesting conversation about when Jesus was put to death in the flesh, he was resurrected in the spirit, and then he made this proclamation to spirits who were imprisoned. Some big questions around that. (laughs) And then it goes into a conversation of Noah, and he says, this is what it happened with Noah when God patiently waited while the ark was built so that Noah could, could eventually bring eight people into the ark and save them through the water. And then he ends with this conversation on baptism. This is a picture of baptism that in baptism, it's not that dirt is being removed from the body, but it's a symbol of your clear conscience before God, because you have been forgiven. You have been saved by what Christ has done um, through his resurrection, where he now is in heaven at the right hand of God, where he has authority over all angels and powers, and they are subject to him. First Peter chapter three. Yeah. (laughs) Simple, real quick, little straightforward chapter. Thanks for, no, just kidding. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. There's a lot 
to talk about here, but we spent a hefty time um, during Morning Devos talking about the idea of submission and even this verse, uh, verse 7, and uh, it's saying, Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner. No woman wants to hear that she's the weaker partner. Absolutely. But there's so much to understand when it comes to the context and who Peter is writing to and what's kind of going on during this time period. And I'd love for us to get into that a little bit because being a young yeah. adult community and living in the 21st century, no woman wants to be a weak woman, but we have to understand biblical context. We have to understand the Christian worldview of what this means versus what the world tries to tell us about weaker partners and submission and whatnot. So I'd love for us to get into that just a little bit. Yeah, that's great. Let's just remember, first of all, the Bible was written for you, but it was not written to you. Yes. Mm. Right. There is a whole bunch going on here that we don't get because of our, our current view. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, um, you know, I made the joke this morning about, uh, I was like, I don't know if you guys know, but I'm from the 21st century. So reading this, it's like, oh man, this is this is not right. Like this is not a w women should not be the weaker vessel. But I think one big thing to understand is, uh, you know, what would this have meant uh, to the original audience when P of, to Peter to who Peter was writing to? And um, and as Peter's writing in the Greco-Roman context um, to a Roman man, um, Bo, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, the Roman man was pretty much seen as like the only person with the status. Everyone else, children, women did not have any sort of rights. Um, they had no, uh, they weren't even a person technically in the eyes of man. So what Peter is teaching here is like a radical like concept of mutual submission. Like the fact that husbands now have to treat their wives in an understanding way um, to honor them is like uh, because they are hairs with them of the grace of life. Like that is a uh, it's a radical concept to this uh, to this uh, culture. So um, and I think when he's talking about the weaker vessel, um, um, I think what he's talking about is more of the the, phys the physiology, like the uh, how men are generally. This isn't true always, but men are just generally stronger um, than women. So I think that's what he's talking about right here. I could be wrong. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right, and I think what happened in this Greco-Roman culture is Roman men were the, like you said, the only people recognized as persons. Everybody else was something different, and. Roman men could do anything they wanted to anybody else. Yeah. Whether it was slaves, women, children, or foreigners, they could do anything they want with pure, with, with impunity and, and have no rep repercussions. It was because they were people. And the call here is for something radically different where mm. Peter says, even though you're physically stronger, do not dominate physically, do not intimidate, do not act with violence toward your wives. Instead, act toward her in an understanding way recognizing who she is, what she is, how she was made, whose image she is made in, all of that stuff. And so don't respond like she's a weaker partner physically than you, but instead show her honor as co-heirs of the grace of life. And we get so caught up on this phrase, weaker vessel. We complete, and it, as soon as we see those words, all of our red flags go up. All of our 21st century outrage comes out. Yeah. And we completely miss the point of this. Right. Where Peter is saying to Roman men who are following Jesus, honor your wives like she's a co-heir with you because she is. Yeah. Mm. Revolutionary. 
Yes. Complete upside down of, of what we would have found at this time. Yeah. You find this nowhere else besides in the gospel of Jesus and the ancient Near East. Yeah. It's so confirming though, to God's kingdom and how upside down and different and uncomfortable it can be. Um, and even understanding, you know, I love what comes right after this, that, that phrase weaker partner. Um, it says, um, I'm just going to read the verse. Husbands in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers. Heirs with you um, of the gracious gift of life. Like that in itself, that statement, being an heir, a co-heir, you know, we as believers are co-heirs in Christ. But this is revolutionary as Bo is saying, because now men and women are heirs when it comes to this gracious gift that is received, the salvation when you say yes to Jesus. Women were not like it was so radical for them to be able to be on that same level. But I love the connection um, that we that we made and talked about during Devo's with Genesis as well. And, you know, Genesis 1, 27 says that man was created in God's image, man, man and woman, like both. They became a them. They became a, a, a united front in that context. And it's it's a beautiful connection to how being heirs, um, not only in Christ, but receiving that gift of salvation, how men and women are able to come together as heirs within that as well. Um, and even visually, you know, Eve was created from, um, Adam's rib, which is by his hip, by his side. Um, and visually that's their hips, you know, essentially are on the same level. There, there's a, a connection there. You know, Eve wasn't created from another, another body part, like, you know, a piece yeah. of hair or an arm, you know, where it's not leveled. It was the hip. It was from the rib, um, that created that, that line, that, 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 um, right unity within them and it's it's so beautiful how this is coming together and for peter who's who's a married man you know he has a wife we read about that in scripture for him to share this perspective as a man himself is also radical as well and so there's a lot to unpack here but remember sticking to just the word weaker we need to go deeper than that we need to understand context and remember the time period of what we're reading, but also how yeah. it does still affect who we are today and how we are applying it to our lives. Good. That's so good. I, I, I think the other interesting part, we didn't really touch on it too, but at the end of it, um, it says that so your prayers may not be hindered. And I, I find that so like, uh, that can be so easily like overlooked, but even then it's like, um, it just shows like the responsibility that husbands have to like lead their wives to honor their wives uh, in other parts of scripture like Ephesians 5 is like a big uh, chapter that talks about marriage but it talks about uh, you know wives to submit to their husbands but in, but husbands should also submit to their wives too to lead their wives and to love them like how Christ loved the church and, and I mean that can be so easily overlooked but when you understand how Christ loved the church man it, it just changes the way of how you view how you treat each other and um and i think like i love how we're talking about the imago day like creation how we were both made in the image of god because um like if women were not important then uh they would have not been mentioned in creation but because they were mentioned that means that uh not only is this person your wife but she's also a daughter of, of god mm -hmm. as well so you should treat her in that way as well so um 
so yeah it definitely changes i love how understanding context is, is just it, it just pretty much gives so much more meaning to what we're reading as well Absolutely. so good and I, I love that reminder of how where he's actually going with that conversation which is husbands if you don't treat your wives in an understanding way, viewing them as co-heirs mm. and, and, you know, honoring them. Yeah. There is something about your prayers that will be changed. Yeah. They will be hindered. Mm. Whether that means you are unable to pray from a genuine authentic place because of this activity that you have going on, or that God will not be hearing or responding to your prayers because of how you're treating your wife. I think we could talk, they could go either direction there. But the point is, if you don't treat your wife in an understanding way, honoring her as a co-heir with you, yeah, uh, your prayers will be hindered. And I just love that it's 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 almost like a like a sub like a subtweet threat, right? Where it's like, yeah, by sure. the way, like okay, if you want your prayers to be heard, you need to treat your wife how you're supposed to treat her. Yeah. I just think that's, I think that's great. It's so good. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, I also love for us to touch. I thought it was interesting too how in this same chapter that we're reading, um, we're talking about suffering. And uh, I, one of the verses that stood out to me was, um, for it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. And um, and uh, when I just think about, when I think about this, uh, and I just love how he connects it with Christ, how Christ also suffered once for our sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, um, that he may be a bridge to us, to God. And, um, and it's almost in a way it's like, uh, I'm reflecting in my life. Like I am so quick, like when I'm suffering, like I'm so quick to, uh, point fingers. I am so quick to complain about my, my situation. Um, then to think of for a minute, it was like, wait, maybe what if this was God's will, um, that I'm, that I might be able to bring glory to God through my situation, through my suffering. And, um, and I think it's a little interesting. I'm kind of going off on a little tangent, but I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts like on this verse, uh, cause suffering, I think it's such a relevant thing to our, our culture. I think people have questions about why suffering happens, but, um, but I love how Peter just says it's better to suffer for doing good um, if it should be God's will than for doing evil. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think about how our life here on earth is temporary um, mm. and that's a hard concept and something that's challenging to think about. And sometimes we don't want to think about right. think about that. At least I don't want to think about that. But when it comes to suffering, realizing that that itself is temporary as well. And that connection that we, that I make when it comes to living in a fallen world. And although a believer, although, you know, um, one day being able to see the Lord face to face, suffering is a real thing that happens in this fallen world, but we are protected by mm. the blood of Christ when we say yes to Jesus. Um, and so when we suffer for doing God's will, we're trying our best to continuously bring God's kingdom here to earth in a world that is not perfect. And so suffering has that connection to it. But when we think about it, or when I think about it in the context of, but this is temporary, I'm that much more encouraged to trust what the Lord has in this season or in that suffering period is not forever um, and allows me to understand this is temporary just as much as living on this earth is temporary. And what I'm looking forward to is what's heavenly and eternal. And although I can experience some of that 
and continuously bring that here on earth. It's not going to be as perfect as I know it one day will be when Christ returns. Um, so I feel like that's been something that's allowed me to take those leaps and continuously um, stand firm in faith, even when it's a challenge and when suffering is still super relevant. That's good. I think we should also remember the context of this specific passage and what we're reading is this is suffering that people do, that people inflict upon you because of your followership of Jesus. Mm. That's the context of what we're reading. So the Bible is a lot about general suffering, about death, about disease, all that stuff. And we can certainly glean and, and learn from that. The context of this is when they, when you suffer because of righteousness, when they do evil to you because of what you believe, verse 14. Yeah, that makes sense. You're blessed. Mm. Yeah. The word there is Makarios. This is the same word Jesus used in the Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. That blessed are you when they persecute you. Blessed are you when they hate you for my sake yeah. or when they speak mm. against you for my sake. Peter is, is he's reiterating what he heard Jesus say on the Mount, you know, what, 30, 40, or maybe 50. I don't know when it was written in the 50s, but, you know, 20 years ago, he yeah. heard Jesus one time say, and then over and over, but here, man, blessed are you when they when they persecute you because you're blessed for, you know, for my sake, Makarios, he's reiterating that. Yeah. And he's saying it's, that good. I was going to say, is it the word that means um, like congratulations? Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's like, woo, you know, it's like yeah. Makarios, <laughs> congratulations. Like yeah. way to go, dude. Mm. That's what he's saying here that, that when they do you harm because you believe in me, there's a blessing in it for you. Yeah. Um, you're doing something right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And in that way, he says, regard Christ as holy. Remember who he is. He is holy. Yeah. And then be ready to talk about why you believe what you believe. Mm. When they're persecuting you, when they're inflicting suffering on you. Yeah. Be ready. Right. Yeah. Hey, we sh- we're, we're running out of time. We Somebody should talk about Jesus preaching to the spirits. In, oh at the gosh. end so there is let, let me just let me just hit this quickly it's <laughs> crazy verse that has for two thousand years been this place of like confusion and misunderstanding and debate and all of that which is you know verse 18 to 19 he was put to death in his flesh made alive by the spirit in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison who were in the past disobedient when god patiently waited in the days of noah lots of different thought there let me just give you three quick ways people have historically thought about this. The early church fathers viewed this as Peter saying, when Jesus died, he went down into Hades or the place of death and preached to the spirits of people who had already died before. That's the historical church father view. The reformed view of this is that what Peter's saying is that the spirit of Christ through Noah was preaching to those who were living disobedient lives at the time of at the time of Noah, when the ark was being built and through Noah, Christ was preaching a proclamation to, to the, the people who are disobedient. Now the word spirits, people, there's some confusion there. And then there's kind of what some scholars today are kind of landing on, which is basically this idea that it's, it's saying that after his resurrection, Jesus made a proclamation to the spirits of disobedience, the fallen angels or the demons, however you understand demons, where they came from that there's almost like this victory tour that Jesus goes on proclaiming his victory over the principalities and spirits that we read about other places in the new Testament. So I don't have a strong stance and I can't tell you which is right, but it's a confusing passage. Um, 
but what I said in devotions is what, where we land is that Christ is victorious and he make, he, he proclaims his victory in us and through us. Right. So I don't know. Thoughts, you guys. Oh man, <laughs> you know, a whole nother podcast for this one. No, I think, but what you said at the end is great. Like Christ is victorious. He sits at the right hand of God. And, you know, we, I think it's important to ask questions. It's important to wrestle. Like we, we do that. Um, but in the end, is it moving us away from um, what we believe is true and what the truth of scripture is, or is it bringing us closer to trust um, that part of that is a mystery and, you know, and there are some things within that that we don't fully understand, but what we do have and, and what we do know is enough that um, it allows us to keep taking those steps closer and closer to Jesus. So Hiro, any, any last thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when I think, when I read through this verse, uh, part of it like kind of excites me because I'm like, man, there's like this, there's like this unknown about God, like because he's so wide, he's so vast that he transcends all my all understanding. So um, in a way, it excites me because uh, this is an opportunity that God invites me into to trust him, to explore more of him, to um, to grow in my relationship with him. And um, and I just love I, I just love what Bo says at the end. Christ is victorious at the end. And that's all I got to know. Um, I don't need to know more of the the details of what happened if he went to go preach to spirits and in, um, in prison or whatever. I don't need to know those details. At the end of the day, Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. And, and, and that's what matters. So. Um, so, I mean, as, it's, as we wrap up today, um, you know, let us just remind ourselves that uh, when Peter was writing this letter, it was to an original audience. Um, and let us just uh, grow in the discipline of removing our 21st century lens and just thinking of what would have been like to be a first century uh, believer or a person during this era. What would have been like? How would I have received this message? And, um, and so as you go on into your day, um, let us just remind ourselves that men and women were created in the image of God. And because of that, we are co-heirs of Jesus Christ. And we ought to love one another. We ought to have sympathy, a tender heart, um, be humble, and be submissive towards one another. So, um, so yeah, as you go on to your day, uh, we bless you. And yeah, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to Fusion Live. If you are interested in getting connected with us, follow us on Instagram at CA Fusion and DM us with any questions or Zoom information.